So it, it is a turbulent time, but it's a way for us to pivot and use the experience and the knowledge that we have in a new way. So I'm really good at developing relationships with kids in, in person. And so I think, okay, what does that look like in the virtual environment? Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where we profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the voices that are sparking their thinking and igniting their practice. This episode of the show is sponsored by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that allow students to bring code to life quickly and easily from their computer. Try Fidgets out for free by visiting bit.ly slash fidgets on fire. That's fidgets with a PH and ordering your free starter kit today. Not only will you receive some free gear, you'll also be helping the podcast. Again, to order your free fidget starter kit, just go to bit.ly slash fidgets on fire. Now, I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Tammy Brightweiser. Tammy is a primary teacher, a prolific writer, and more recently, a podcaster. On her Twitter profile, Tammy writes, I am the accidental inspirationalist and a writer who is a force of nature. And I can say that after following her for some time, she is exactly that. You can follow Tammy on Twitter at TLBright, on Instagram at RunnerTammyB, and on her website at Tammy'sReadingLife.wordpress.com. Tammy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to light it up? Absolutely. I'm always ready to talk about education. Fantastic. Well, we, I think, first crossed paths, I want to say, on Medium. It may have been Twitter. I can't remember now. We've been connected for some time. I've been inspired by your stuff for so long, so I'm excited to chat today. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit more about your current context in education? What does that look like for you? Absolutely. So I just recently... Um, changed jobs pre-COVID. So currently I am teaching kindergarten in Beloit, Wisconsin. And Beloit is in Southern Wisconsin, just over the Indiana or Illinois border, excuse me. Um, I am at an elementary school that is pre-K through third. um, And it is called Robinson Elementary. And it is a fantastic um, community and, and elementary school. First of all, before we move on, it is story time, and that's something you're very good at, so I look forward to this. Would you share with us, and I should say nonfiction here, Tammy, (laughs) would you share with us about a low moment or an experience of adversity that you've faced somewhere in your teaching or education career and describe how you overcame it? So thinking about this, of course, I'm a longtime listener to to the podcast, and I've heard many people's and and, um this is my 25th year in education. So as, as people can imagine, I have quite a few, but um, I decided that I was going to start with, with one of the most recent. When I changed jobs, um, I went from being a coach back to the regular classroom. And that is a very long, complicated story. And one that I never thought, yet never say never. I never thought that I would leave one job in the middle of the year um, and go to a, a different one, let alone move two states away. But Switching roles, it was a very difficult situation for everyone involved. The kindergarten teacher that left um, the position that I was coming into 
um, was very well loved by the students. And if you know anything about five-year-olds, they get very attached to their teachers. And there had been some issues with not being able to find um, subs for the classroom. So my kids, my new students had been distributed through the other kindergarten classes for almost a week before I even got there. So there were a lot of obstacles that I was up against before I even walked through the door. Um, so relationship building was extremely important. Um, but they, my students were a little, I don't even want to say defiant was the word. They were just so traumatized by everything that had happened that it was really difficult for them to even accept me. They, they tested me to make sure that I was actually going to stay. So, and, and some of the things that I always go to, my go-to thing as a, as, um, a reading specialist in the past was do a read aloud. I'm engaging with a read aloud. Every student before that day in January um, engage with a read aloud. And so, you know, but I was never discouraged. Like I knew that I would get on the other end of it. So every day we started over, every day I started with those relationship building pieces and I talked to my kids and, um, you know, we got to know each other and eventually we turned a corner. But that first day was really rough, but I had to keep going in thinking, okay, what are the small wins for today? I'm going to keep doing those. What didn't work? I'm going to chuck that and try something else. So I had to use everything in my bag of tricks those first couple weeks to get my kids on board with me. And it took a little longer than it ever has in the past due to, you know, the trauma and the obstacles that were surrounding the situation. But by the time COVID hit, we were all one big happy family and working well together. And, and I was really excited for the things that, that we were going to be doing the next week. Because when COVID hit, I actually went home on Friday, March 16th, thinking that we were going to go to school the next week. And we got an email over the weekend that said, do not return to the building. So that was jarring as well. So my poor kids this year have really been through a lot. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they sure have. And I think about attachment theory. I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's particularly strong in kids at young ages. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you use the word trauma, and I'm sure that is accurate to describe what they went through in that year, not only losing their initial teacher, but then being distributed among these other kindergarten classes and then uh, ending up with a new teacher. So it sounds like quite a year for you and uh, more to the story, I'm sure. But thank you for sharing that. I haven't had the experience or the challenge of switching assignments mid-year, but that's got to be difficult. It's got to be challenging. Tammy, because I follow your blog and your work on Medium, I know that you are a prolific writer. And by that, I mean that you put out content uh, so often and so well. You've written great education and nonfiction pieces, but you also enjoy the fictional works. Talk to us about your writing habit. Where does your passion come from and where do you hope to go with it in the future? See, this is writing is I could talk about writing and education just just all day. Um <laughs> I've always been a writer. It's always been something that has been a passion for me. Um, from I always laugh that as soon as I could hold a pen, I, I was a writer. Um, I used to write stories when I was little. I was a big letter writer um, when I was younger. 
you know, pen pals and things like that. And actually, I've come back to that. Um, there is a great magazine called The Letter Exchange, and they pair up people who are still interested in um, in writing letters with each other, um, which is a really which is really cool in this day and age of of email and technology. But I I've always written, and then um, but it was never seen in my family as a quote unquote real job. Um, when I was early teaching, writing was always something that other teachers were very afraid to teach their kids. Um, and I was never that person. I always had my kids writing all, all types of things. So it started went hand in hand. That's the one thing I love about all the things that I do. I love to make connections to everything. So the better writer that I become, the better teacher of writing I become. And my mm. students trust me because they know that I am indeed a writer. Um, so in January of 2019, I gave myself the challenge to start writing on Medium every day and to see what happened. I wanted to start taking it a little more serious and see if I could change my lowercase w of an amateur writer to a capital W writer, according to Ralph Fletcher. He says the only difference is that you get paid a little bit of money to, when you're a capital W writer. <laughs> um so I started doing that, but right before that, I had done um, Story a Day, which is a challenge that is um, actually starting in September. Um, Julie Duffy runs that website, uh, storyaday.org. And then I had done NaNoWriMo. So I had all this writing under my belt and I needed to do something with it. I do believe that to become a better writer, you have to keep writing. And as you know, from my work, I do, I do put a lot out. I started publishing and making it more public to help myself take it um, more seriously. So I, so after I did that, um, I had some success and then I decided to impose a different challenge on myself called um, the 100 rejections right. project. Um, yeah. So starting this January, I started sending out um, a piece a day um, I have quite a few pieces published now on the internet and some actual books. There's nothing more exciting than getting the book in the mail and, and opening up to the anthology and seeing your name in print. So that's so that's pretty cool. Um, I'm continuing to submit. I have not um, submitted anything in, in a little while, but I will continue to do that. I'm currently revising um, a novel that, um, that I've written. And uh, so I'm hoping to get the first five chapters of that um, polished, and then I'm going to start querying um, that and see if I can go the traditional route for the novel, and we'll see we'll see what happens. All right, so there's hope for more rejections. <laughs> but um, when I heard that at the beginning of the year, I thought that is perfect because when I think about content creation and the fears that so many other educators have about hitting that publish button, rejection really is at the top of the list, right? We it's a tough prospect. It's a scary one. And by really embracing that word rejection and going after it and saying, I want 100, it completely flips the paradigm. And that's something you're great at doing. It does. It um, The action that, because I had um, three rejections that came very quickly that almost broke my heart. And I actually didn't write for like a week after those. And I thought, okay, this is not how I operate. I need to figure out how to change this mindset. And so that's originally why I'm glad you said that that's originally the reason I did the hundred rejections was to change 
that shift of pain and pleasure for rejections. There's so many layers of joy. I mean, even getting rejection, as a writer, you want people to read what you're writing. Even if it's rejected, it's guaranteed that one person read it because they had to read it to reject it. So you still win. (laughs) Yes, there's still an audience no matter what. Absolutely. Well, I am not putting out as much as you. I'm trying to keep the pace of one a week, but a book that was really inspiring last year for me was You Are a Writer, So Start Acting Like One by Jeff Goins. And I don't know if you've read that one, but he talks about the shift between the statements of, I, on the one hand, I would like to write more often versus I am a writer. And just defining yourself and saying, this is who I am. This is what I do is a a bit of a shift. And you're in that zone, Tammy. So keep it up. In In a similar space of content creation, I also want to talk about the Accidental Inspirationalist podcast. So back in mid-May of this year, you began publishing the podcast, something that I think is a great idea and frankly, a move that every blogger and writer should consider. Tell us about that journey too. What prompted you to jump into podcasting and what has the experience taught you so far? So the Accidental Inspirationalist podcast, um, I love podcasts. Um, I used to have an hour commute each way to my teaching position. And so it gave me a lot of opportunities to listen to podcasts. And um, in that position, I was a coach and I would do what I called a workshop Wednesday. So I worked in a middle school and I was able to do um, about a 45 minute uh, PD that was very specific to the teams that week. And I had several teachers that said, you know what, you know, you write on the blog, but like, you really need to do a podcast. Like they kept saying like, no, 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 you know, I don't want to do a podcast. Other people do podcasts. I do, I do the writing. Um, And then this accidental inspirationalist word kept coming up. And I actually found a journal from 2017, a couple days ago, and I had written it. People started calling me that because I would do, cause I'm a yoga teacher. So I would do yoga and they, and they would want to do that. And I would, I kept getting these messages about running and writing and of, you know, you've inspired me. And I'm like, well, it was accidental. I didn't mean to, I was just doing what I, what I do. So, um, I was doing some coaching with, um, Carissa Kuchis, who is um, a Tony Robbins trainer this summer. And one of the big things in our coaching program was to take um, a big risk every week. And some of the direction around this was what is something that you keep putting off that other people tell you to do or you want to do, but you keep saying, I don't have time or I don't want to do it, which is a lie. We just don't make time sometimes for the things that are important to us. So I decided, you know what, what can I lose? If nobody listens, then, then it's out there. So, um, so I started planning and I am a person, a person of massive action. So I didn't want it to be perfect. I just wanted it to be done. And I figured I'll learn as, as I go along. Um, I also want to kind of play with doing podcasts with kids. So I can't have, I always have to do it before the kids do it. I, I will never ask kids or adults that I'm coaching to do anything that I haven't done or I'm not willing to do. So, um, so this was just another leap, leap in that direction. And, um, from a small circle of people, it's, I'm getting some really good responses and, and it's been, it's been kind of fun. Well, it's, 
like I said, I think it makes so much sense because you're already generating the ideas. You're going through that creative process as a writer. And you and I love the written word. I know many others do, but there are some that will not read a blog post, but they will listen to a podcast. And so I think repurposing that content just makes perfect sense. Tammy, it's such a turbulent time. And so in in a way, this is a weird question. But as you look across your PLN and you think about your own practice, what else is setting you on fire about education today? And I should preface this question or add on to it by saying you really flipped the paradigm on this. Uh, I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, I think you asked the question, how does this situation serve me? Or how does it serve us and our learners, right? Which is such a paradigm shift. And I mentioned you're good at doing that. So um, maybe with through that lens, how does the current situation serve you? And, and what do you look forward to about uh, education and teaching this year? So it, it is a turbulent time, but it's a way for us to pivot and use the experience and the knowledge that we have um, in a new way. So I'm really good at developing relationships um, with kids in in person. And so I think, okay, what does that look like in the virtual environment? And one of the things that I've really been personally studying the last couple of years is um, personality, like different ways that people um, look at personality and talk about how they are, you know, introvert and extrovert, um, Myers-Briggs, human design, all, all these things. And I think, okay, so who does virtual learning benefit? Well, it benefits all our introverted kids because they don't have to raise their hand. Everybody looks the same on the screen. So really looking at how to engage all of my students and making it the best learning environment for them. So one of the brilliant things that I found was Screencastify and that I'm able to do um, videos and how, and through the research of virtual learning and engagement, I've learned that that voice piece is really important, which I'm really glad I've had the practice with the, um, with the podcast for that. So I didn't even know that that was going to end up being important. Um, But really that, and that relationship of the synchronous and asynchronous um, teaching and what works best for, for my kids. So in real life, I look at my kids and their body language and, and how they're reacting to things and who they're talking to. And this time I have to look at, okay, what does that look like virtually on a Zoom call or are they responding to things? Um, so it's just sort of that, I guess, so that's, it's just that relationships with the, with the virtual learning and all those pieces and how and how they fit together. My next question is usually on the topic of professional goals. You've sort of touched on that there in terms of uh, connecting better with the kids. So can you share with us about either somewhere in your professional practice that you are looking to improve this year or maybe a project that you're currently working on? I know you've always got lots of those. (laughs) I do. Um, I'm kind of piggybacking off the successful um, virtual learning Um, One of the things that keeps coming up in my research is the importance of teaching grade level standards and how that is um, an equity issue. Um, The conversation often, especially with um, lower lower socioeconomic status and, and issues is, well, meet them where they are, which I've always been a believer in, but my mindset is shifting with the research that's coming out lately. Um, so I'm really going to focus on 
grade level standards and making that accessible to the kids um, and really differentiating my instruction. Tammy, outside of education, what's another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions outside of the classroom and let's say outside of writing and brings you alive as a human being? Now, your handle on Instagram is runner Tammy B, right? So is running a part of that? What else brings you alive? Um, running is, I've kind of changed it to um, to walking lately, but it's a, it's a combo of, of walking and running. Um, I am really uh into that i have run i used to run about 60 to 80 miles a week but i have cut that down oh my goodness um, i've run everything from a 5k to a 50 miler and uh, i even won a 50k one time and beat all the guys so that was pretty exciting so so uh taking care of my body is 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 really important um another thing that i've been um researching is a NLP, which is neuro-linguistic um, programming. So I'm always fascinated by why humans do what they do. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, finding someone who does it well and modeling after them, um, disrupting, um, you know, people's thought patterns and, you know, that mind-body connection, all of that kind of, kind of goes, uh, goes together. We'll get back to our conversation in just a moment, but Teachers on Fire, I need to ask you, have you received your free fidgets yet? Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that make physical computing easy. There's no soldering, wiring, or breadboarding. You simply plug in a sensor, write a few lines of code in your favorite language, and go. Fidgets are used by thousands of STEM professionals all over the world and are now available for educators. If you have a makerspace or teach coding, this tool is especially for you and your learners. Try it out for free by visiting bit.ly slash fidgetsonfire. That's bit.ly slash p-h-i-d-g-e-t-s on fire. You'll receive your free fidget starter kit and you'll also be helping the podcast. So thank you in advance. Now, let's get back to the conversation. All right, it is time for your quick picks, Tammy. And here we want to know the education voices and resources that are sparking your thinking and igniting your practice today. So starting at Twitter, tell us about someone we should follow there and share why they've been inspiring you lately. So my Twitter pick is the Teach Right community, and um, they are at teachright.edu. Um, they're both on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm not really on Facebook, but um, great community of teacher writers. Um, they run workshops. There's a core group of people in there who are just amazing, amazing educators from all levels. Um, they do write-ins and all kinds of things. And um, the community is just really, really wonderful. I've written um, guest posts for them on their blog as well. Just fantastic. Point us to an ed tech tool that you currently love using somewhere in your classroom or your, I guess, your virtual classroom. So I kind of mentioned this earlier, but Screencastify. And I love this. And actually, I found out that Flipgrid will do this um, as well. You can record up to 10 minutes. But one of the things that I specifically used it for is um, for my reading instruction for asynchronous um, teaching. I'm able to take the book and read it out loud to them. And then I can ask them all the questions that I normally would ask um, in person. And then I can do echo reading with them as well. And then what's wonderful about that is that the kids can watch it over and over and over again um, and practice on their own, which is fantastic. 
recommend one book, one that you've been reading lately, or one of your all-time faves that's been deeply influential? Ah, books. It was it was hard to pick just one. Um, but one of the newest one is out uh, by EL Education. It's called Crew. It's their Crew book, um, which is their um, community piece. And so it really talks about how in every classroom, your crew, not passengers, on a crew, on a plane or a boat, everybody has a job. And that's how a classroom should be. Everybody has their job. Um, and so it, it deals with mentoring and culture and feelings and like family meeting or community circle type things. And it's a great, great resource. We hear so much about teams. We don't hear enough about crews. So I like that. And EL education stands for expeditionary learning. Is that right? Yes, it does. Yep. It's been around for a really long time. It's um, open curriculum um, and just one of the most amazing curriculums I've ever been a part of in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Tammy, you're obviously a podcast listener. You've mentioned some of them already, and you've also mentioned your support of Teachers on Fire. So thank you so much for that. Tell us about one or two podcasts that are at the top of your deck and, and why we need to subscribe. So one podcast that became really important to me at the beginning of this year is um, Creative Kindergarten. And it's Amanda Bork. She's actually um, a Canadian um, kindergarten teacher. And her podcast is really wonderful. It's just her talking, but she talks about uh, things that she does in her classroom. And um, every time I listen to her, there's always at least one thing I can take and put in my classroom um, right away. Last year, I have a I have a block center in my classroom and she suggested having a blueprint book where the kids draw their blueprints and then they can come back to it. And it was a huge hit in my class. So creative kindergarten. Very fun. Tell us about a YouTube channel that you enjoy. And this one might be, uh, you know, one that is useful in the virtual classroom or one that you just find personally helpful. So the YouTube channel, I don't really follow exact channels, but I do use meditation music and white noise with my kids when there's work time. It's that audio cue for my kids that, okay, this is time that we're supposed to be writing or quietly working. um, And that really works well. And it's calming for the teacher and for the students both. So it does double duty. Awesome. Okay. And what is their choice of white noise, by the way? Do you go with the rain or the waves lapping in at the beach? Or what does that sound like typically? There actually is one called Study Power that almost sounds like um, old television static. And so you hear it and then, but it really, um, it really is effective. (laughs) Okay, I'll try that. I'll try that with my eighth (laughs) graders this year. There you go. (laughs) The last one is just for fun, Tammy. What are you watching or what are you streaming these days? So on Netflix, um, one of the things that I binge watched is the Umbrella Society. It's actually based on a comic book and they just came out. I think it was in July that the second season came out. There were 10 episodes and it took us less than 24 hours. It's so good. It's fascinating. It's about these, um, this family of orphans that are adopted by this rich guy who has, and they have all these superpowers. It's just, it's, it's an amazing series. It's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well, Tammy, for those interested in either your professional context or some of your other passions in the areas of writing and podcasting, what are the best ways for them to reach out and connect with you? The best place to find me that's easiest is is Twitter um, at TL Bright. Um, I do have the the blog at Tammy's Reading Life WordPress. 
Um, if you search my name on Medium, I come up. And then I actually just started um, a Patreon. So that's at T, T Bright. Um, so that's a combination of writing and teaching um, and coaching as well. So lots of places to find me. If you Google me, I should come up somewhere. Sounds good, Tammy. Again, thank you so much for sharing your time with the pod today. This has been fun and inspiring. You've been one of those people, as I mentioned, that really set me on fire and motivate me to do more and create more. Take care. Happy writing. Happy rejections. And let's talk again soon. Great. Thank you so much. Before we sign off today, I'd like to share some highlights from the Teachers on Fire community. Our first stop is on Twitter, where Latrice D. Younger, at Latrice Younger, quoted my guest from episode 140, Elena Aguilar, and she writes, quoting Elena, introverts still have to connect with people during this time. Then Latrice adds on her comment, quote, introvert leaders sometimes get a bad rap. Thanks for this. Great episode, my friend, end quote. Thank you so much for the comment, Latrice. It's been fun to connect with you on Voxer this year, and it was a pleasure to host you recently on the Teachers on Fire Roundtable. I'm glad we're finally connected on Twitter. Why did that take so long? And I want to wish you a fantastic 2021. Next on Instagram, Erica Terry at Erica Terry CEO commented, quote, I'm so excited about this episode. I absolutely love her work and use her strategies when I coach teachers. Can't wait to listen. Thank you for the comment and for following me at Teachers on Fire, Erica. I appreciate the way you inspire so many educators to take the next courageous step in their personal and professional journeys best wishes for a wonderful 2021. And I should mention as well that Erica was commenting about the same episode, 140 with Elena Aguilar. On the Teachers on Fire page on Facebook, during my roundtable conversation on December 5th, Lisa Gade wrote, could we all just gather on Zoom every Saturday morning with coffee and chat? Thank you so much for the suggestion, Lisa, and I couldn't say it any better. The pandemic has put up so many physical walls between educators and it's been one of the motivators for me to appear every Saturday morning on Facebook and YouTube at 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Central and 11 a.m. Eastern. I use a streaming platform called StreamYard that allows me to display audience comments and questions during the broadcast, which creates some really fun interactions with viewers. So if that sounds like fun for you, please come out and join us for the Teachers on Fire Roundtable on Saturday mornings. And again, that's 8 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. Over on the new Teachers on Fire Facebook group, not to be confused with a Facebook page, I asked, which books are you reading this week, Teachers on Fire? A bunch of responses followed, but the first one was from Jillian Dubois, who wrote, I'm going to be 100% honest. I am not reading anything professional over the break. A Danielle Steele novel is in my hand as we speak. Literature fluff. Well, I think we could all use some fluff this holiday season, Jillian. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for engaging on the Teachers on Fire Facebook group. It's great to have you there. There were a number of other comments and book titles thrown out in the conversation. So if you'd like to get in on that, please look me up. Search Teachers on Fire next time you're on Facebook and come on over. Join the group. On the professional network that most of us ignore, LinkedIn, to a question I shared from a listener, Emily Russo wrote, Tim Cavey, check out hashtag EdTechGuys. 
Andrew and Dan create a PLN out of their Twitter chats. Their questions are thoughtful and the responses from in and outside the district tend to go deeper. They are also the guys I learned how to get admin buy-in. They would make great guests if you did this as a topic on your pod. Thank you for the great suggestions here, Emily, and thank you for engaging with me on LinkedIn. It was fun to hear from you on the roundtable a few weeks ago, and I look forward to more collaborations in the future. All the best in 2021. I should mention too that to the broader conversation on LinkedIn on that particular post, we were talking about the value of Twitter chats as Pro-D. Let me know what you think. Should Twitter chats count as Pro-D? Are they valuable enough or is it uh, often a lot of fluff? I, I can see both sides there and I've certainly experienced both. Not to say that fluff in Twitter chats is a bad thing. I just don't know if it should always count as Pro-D. So I think it really does depend on the chat you're in. On YouTube, Eric Geis from the Got Tech channel wrote, Such a great use of Seesaw. Thank you for this video. Well, thank you for the encouragement, Eric, and I really appreciate you subscribing to my channel on YouTube. And if you, dear listener, have not yet subscribed to We Got Teched, make sure to surf on over there for the latest tips and strategies from the world of education technology. To all who have read, viewed, liked, retweeted, commented, or replied to my content in any way, shape, or form on any of these platforms, thank you. You are the fuel to my fire, and I so appreciate your support. If you are looking for some good reading, make sure you drop by the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium, where we've featured recent pieces by Debbie Tannenbaum, Heather Edick, and more. The Teachers on Fire magazine is a Medium publication, and you'll find it on medium.com or on the Medium app. If you'd like to join our growing writing team there, your first step is to create a Medium account using your Google credentials. Message Teachers on Fire on any social media platform for more details. As always, I will leave you with this quote from my reading, Teachers on Fire. This one comes from two psychologists, and they are Gordon Neufeld and Gabor Matei. They wrote a book called Hold On to Your Kids, and here's the quote. One cannot get much more vulnerable than to expose oneself psychologically. To share oneself with another and then be misunderstood or rejected is, for many, a risk not worth taking. As a result, this is the rarest of intimacies and the reason so many of us are reluctant to share, even with loved ones, our deepest concerns and insecurities about ourselves. Yet there is no closeness that can surpass the sense of feeling known and still being liked, accepted, welcomed, invited to exist. Powerful stuff. Again, I'm your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some of your valuable day listening to this podcast. I hope that in some way the conversation you heard between me and Tammy Brightweiser sparked your thinking and ignited your practice. And I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. Take care, stay safe, share an encouraging word to lift up a colleague, and keep that fire for learning burning bright.